0: Janine apologises for a less favourable recording environment, but it was the only chance that Paula and Janine could get together. Please be assured that this has fabulous content and I'm sure you'll enjoy what Janine and Paula have to say. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am really excited today because I have the amazingness of Paula Kensington here with me. Now, as Paula says, she's a CFO on a mission to empower others to unlock their potential, empower, and belief in their abilities to succeed. Impact is Paula's reason for living. In everything she does, her primary driver is all around what impact she can have on her others, how she can help others to become more successful, and how she can leave people better about themselves. She's got a crazy career of over 20 years in corporate roles in Australia and the UK. And as a result of that, she freely admits she's seen the uh, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. Uh, mainly poor leadership and bad behaviors through her courage, grit, and determination for a better workplace is really what drives Paula to call out standards that are not acceptable. I think we're in for an absolutely awesome chat in terms of Leadership lessons, how to unleash your individual brains, and really what she's learned about herself. Welcome to today's podcast. Thank you, Janine, and hi everybody. Great to be here. Now let's start off with um, take yourself back. What did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. That's a good question. I knew. Didn't know what I wanted to be. I knew what I didn't want to be, and I absolutely didn't want to be an accountant. I didn't didn't want to follow my father's footsteps and my older brother's footsteps. To me, it was just not sexy enough, not interesting enough. I actually wanted to be a fashion designer. Wow. Um, And I remember my parents thinking that they probably thought it wasn't a fashion designer that I might become a seamstress, and that probably wasn't going to be um, able to pay me um, for a, a life that I really wanted to live. So they really tried to talk me out of that. We came to a compromise and they allowed me to get a job in the John Lewis Partnership, which is a bit like DJs here for those of you that aren't English listening to this. um, They allowed me to get a junior trainee circuit job at John Lewis Partnership, which I did. And then having stuck that out for two years and decided I didn't like A, people, (laughs) B, standing on my feet all day and C, earning really little money, with not much in the way of opportunities, I then realised for myself that I needed to perhaps think about a role in finance, which actually would be a very rewarding, successful and global career. Yeah. So so how did you transition into finance? Talk about the fact that um, you don't have those formal qualifications. Mm. Mm. And what, what did you do to actually pursue that career? Yeah, I left school at 16. I really wanted just to get out of school. I was a very young adult, wanted to earn money. So my peers didn't go to university. My family had never been to university. And to me, it was just so natural to go out and get a job. So I did. Um, So then when I decided I want to get into accountancy, that I obviously needed a university degree, um, which I thought about whether I wanted to go back to school at the ripe old age of 21, and that was very unattractive at the time. So that's when I went to ACCA, which again, my father and brother are both members. They were the only accounting body that allowed you to come in and take a set of initial exams, prove that you've got the ability and the intellect um, to be able to continue on in the program. So that was a godsend. I'm so passionate to give back to ACCA today because I wouldn't be here without that opportunity. And over the years, um, this passion that you have for your work
1: has resulted
0: in jobs around the world, mm-hmm. has resulted in big corporate jobs, and tech world, and startup, and M&A, and an award-winning mm-hmm. CFO. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about um, some, of the, some of the roles that you've mm. So I came to Australia 12 years ago, and up until that point, I think I'd got to the the, um, the highest level I could have got to in London. Um, you know, they say coming to Australia is a lucky country. I think that's it. I walked into a job just before the GFC, probably two years before the GFC hit. Walked into a job that was a six-week contract for a management accountant role because I had some IT experience that they wanted. And two years later, I left as CFO. So to say that I was in the right place at the right time is Nap and probably don't give myself enough credit. But you know, I got into a business, wheels fell off within four weeks of being they hit a banking covenant. The chairman, the CEO, the CFO, everyone just headed for the hills and they got in a, a relief CEO said to me, Would you stay on and at least be the financial controller? Um and just let's get this ship back on straight and narrow. So I did. Twelve months after that he said so, yeah, that was an amazing opportunity. That's so good. Now, I, I know you're doing some exciting stuff now, but before we get on to your parent, um, I'm really curious about um, how you yourself have unleashed your own individual brilliance. Can you share with us um, some of those watershed moments in your life to now that have almost created choices that have taken you to mm. where you are today? Yeah, and I've been reflecting on this a bit because I'm preparing for a ten Talk, which is a bit like a TED Talk, but it's at uh, the World Congress of Accountants in a couple of weeks' time and um, I'm doing a ten Talk then. So I've just been reflecting on my watershed moments. I think where the real growth is through the moments of struggle. You know, it's not, yes, I got married, yes, I did all this great stuff. It's actually, where did all this shit happen? When did it really start? testing us, to actually, you know, a bit like the butterfly story, when just, you don't go through that cocoon phase and struggle and push and shove and you get all that beautiful colour in your wings, then you break through and and unleash your brilliance. You don't go through those struggles, then you miss out. Literally, if you cut the bottom off of that cocoon to allow the butterfly out, they just die. You've got to really struggle through and get that grit and resilience, and I think, in my mind, or in my life, getting my ACCA qualification when I was 24, that was that was the first moment when I realised that if I could, I could do anything I set my mind to, do. and that was just so empowering. But you know, after then, having then decided at the age of 36 or 35 that I was going to come to Australia and leave my family behind. And leave everything I knew behind, and just hey, why not? Let's just go and live in another country, the other side of the world. I mean, <laughs> you've done it, yeah. You know that's not. I mean, at the time, it was just such a natural decision, and I'm a big believer in just doing what feels right. Um, and that, to me, was a fantastic opportunity. And then I met what I thought was going to be my second husband, my man, and my dreams, and he taught me so much about myself. Unbelievable. He used to make me cry, which might sound like a, a, a silly thing to say but he really made me toughen up I was a bit of a (laughs) crybaby I used to cry at silly things and then he used to just be really tough on me and I guess I actually quite probably needed it at the time um but then I was with him for five years um he left overseas to go on a business trip and he never came back and that was six weeks before my 40th birthday and that hit me like a rock on the side of the head. Like it, nearly, it nearly put me out. Because Here I am on my own. And here's this man that was going to be the rest of my life. And now he's not here anymore. And so all of a sudden, you have to re-engineer a different life. And I think at the time, I remember a, a decision that was right there in front of me. Paula, well, you're either going to get on with this or you're not. And I decided to, to get on with it. Why did he never come back? Did you ever? So he, yeah, I mean, he was away and had a heart attack, effectively, um, in a hotel room and, yeah, completely out of the blue
1: and got a phone call from the guys that he was with. That
0: must have been a really tough moment. Um, How did you you find that grit to Mm. pick your up and get back in. Maybe there's something there in what you said around being in control. I think it was a real slap face and it was an uncontrolled moment, but I really knew that I was going to pick myself up from this. You know, it's funny when things happen and planets align, and you know, I had this, we had a house together, um, he died in a bankruptcy. which meant I had to move out of the house that we literally put our blood, sweat and guts into renovating um, because it had to go to his estate. So I literally had to move out of the house and start again. And there's nothing better than to have everything taken away from you. And you hit rock bottom and you've got to start again. So I had an investment property, the tenants had moved out and all of a sudden it was like perfect. Well, I've now got this house that he helped me buy found it he was a builder he found this house that was pretty uh, in need of some desperate renovations anyway long story short my tenants had moved out I moved in and then I was able to move on because it wasn't like I was seeing him in every corner of the house it was a house that fresh start that must have been a massive watershed moment for yourself person. what do you think you learned about yourself as a leader of you and mm. as a a potential leader of other people. You learn about yourself. Yeah, I felt I felt really empty. And a good place to start. And I felt I had to grow. I had to re. I had to re re-establish, reestablish myself. You know, I went and saw counsellors. and here I am. I used to think people that went to see counsellors had something wrong with them. <laughs> you know, I was so judgmental, and here I am going to see a counsellor. So clearly there was something wrong with me. Um, but you know, it was about re piecing. Together, I actually probably for the first time really had a good hard look at myself, um, and I felt empty. felt like I had nothing
1: inside. guess rebuild it up. I mean, I had probably two or three
0: really close people around me, and that really helped. I had to find a job. Found the worst job of my life. Worked for the worst guy I've ever worked for, and at the worst time in my life, and it was a GFC, So, you know, it was pretty horrendous remember my father coming out my 40th birthday. He was here for John's funeral. He was here for my birthday. And I said to mum at the time, if he, if he thinks he's coming out to bring me home, tell him not to bother. <laughs> you know, it's just a bit laughable now. And this is eight years ago. But I don't even recognise myself now, eight years ago. i so such a different person. So you talk about being a different person. What have, what has Paula become? Who is Paula now as a leader? I think it's shown me how valuable, what value, the value of life and the value of the moment of now and not to, and just do what feels right in the moment. So it's allowed me a sense of freedom, which as a CFO and a, a, you know, a very analytical finance process type mind is actually quite unusual to have that freedom mind. And, And maybe it's the growth you know, the ability to reshape yourself and um, you know to always be more fluid and not be stuck in what you think you know and what you think is important you're not on the surface but you're very much you're able to
1: say zig and zag and uh, you do a
0: lot of work um you give back a lot both by non-profit work that you do but also um, mentoring and sponsoring uh, future talent. Mm. What is it that drives you to do that? Um, you know, what what is this desire that you have to help create um, a new pipeline of leaders? Yeah, and I guess it goes back to when I was growing up, and I felt okay. I had my father and my brother as you know, guardians of light in the world of finance, but I actually felt that no one actually really helped me. There wasn't any people that I aspired to be. You know, the best we had was Maggie Thatcher, as we've spoken about before. You know, there wasn't many female leaders to aspire to be. That's for sure. So for me, it's about giving back. Make sure that we give the people. And you know, when I say next generation of emerging leaders, I'm not talking about just the 20 year olds. I'm talking about the 30 year olds and even 40 year olds. Um, if they're open to learning and being the best version as they can, that. Just that lights me up. If I can help people get success faster, then why not? If I, if I had someone like me helping me when I was thirty, I would have been a CFO in my thirties and not my forties. What do you see as the biggest challenges in uh, organisations? <laughs> Apart from the male stale and pale. <laughs> oh, I think the biggest challenge is bad leadership, and and I think it goes. Far and above the workplace, it goes to society, it talks about the whole planet challenges we have. But I think there's, and to be fair to people that maybe aren't strong leaders, you know, we perhaps didn't teach them how to be strong leaders. You know, if you think back to when these 50-year-olds, say, or somewhere between 40 and 55, and they're at university, you know, I think leadership then was probably a bit of a terrible teaching almost yeah so how can you how can you feel there's an element of me that says well you know we didn't we didn't show them how to be a leader so we should be showing them now and that's what i say i'm happy to demonstrate good leadership because i can help people who are older than me in positions that are perhaps higher than me like a ceo i can demonstrate the behaviors that they should be demonstrating that they're not and i call it out Ended, you know, it hasn't always ended well for me in my career. You know, I've had to throw my boss under the bus in front of our boss, global role. Two senior global guys were over and looking to me because it was my problem that the whole country performance was down the toilet. Well, sorry, I'm not just the only person at the table here. My boss is sitting there who's been here 20 years longer than I have, who's getting paid twice as much money as me, sitting here, not taking any hair or flack or seemingly you know, almost like the Teflon man, everything's just falling off of him. So I threw him under the bus in front of, in front of him. I said, well, sorry, it's not all my fault here. It, there is another man sitting here that is actually the CEO. Um, and yeah, I surprised myself that I actually came out and said it, but I just thought, you know, as I said before, the standard you um, walk past is the standard that you accept, and if I didn't call him out, then I'd be as bad as him. What's your wish for the work that you do what are you what's your hope
1: Hmm. I hope to be able to
0: change I hope to be able to change bad leadership one person at a time so that we don't have bad leaders in our workplace and I guess that then demonstrates that workplaces are a place of great joy Places where people hate to go, and there are
1: plenty of people
0: that don't want to go to work because in a really shitty environment. Don't feel that their purpose is being fulfilled, and they're not unleashing their brilliance because no one's helped them. And there's this mushroom effect where you've got bad leaders, and people are sitting underneath them because they're just being smothered by a bad leader. So being able to unleash brilliance in everyone.
1: Who helped you over your career? Who's helped you um, version of So
0: I think a lot of these bad leaders have helped me because they've really shown me how not to be. So you know, you can learn from people in a good way and you can learn how not to be people as well. But that's a bit draining as well. If you keep working for bad leaders, you get really tired about that and stop stop seeing the bad leaders. But from a positive perspective, I mean, if I think back when I was twenty five and starting out, there was a female tax accountant, tax manager of, of the team that I was working for, the company I was working for. She said to me, Paula, I never finished my exams and I will never be able to leave this job. I can't demonstrate to someone else on paper that I've got the credentials I need. So don't ever finish it. Don't not finish your career, your exams. So that was a really nice help because anyone that's listening to this that's been on a three-and-a-half-year exam journey in their early 20s, it gets freaking hard. And even if people are doing an MBA, you know, you get halfway through something, oh, this is really hard to finish this, but
1: as anything, you start something. How do you,
0: how do you keep what do you yourself going? What, what, um, what do you do in your everyday or over the course of the year to ensure that you continue to be the best version of yourself?
1: Hmm. That's it's an interesting one when I think about
0: what I do on a regular basis. At the moment, I haven't – so I'm, I'm careful about what I do and I give time to myself and that might be going to the gym or it might be going for walks. So I used to love running and my body, unfortunately, now – isn't able to support me in that anymore. But you know, doing things for myself is really important. So for me it's like my dogs. I love waking up in the morning and they're like my babies and I give them a hat and, and they're always so happy to see you. <laughs> so that's really important. But you know, going out into the garden and doing really simple things. So you know I've got bons eyes at home to I love to go around watering my plants and seeing what's been growing and be surprised by new shoots on plants that just shows life. And so just simple things,
1: you know, um, being at home,
0: hanging out with my husband. Yeah, I do, I don't have children of my own. I have a uh, stepdaughter who's 17 who doesn't live with us. So for me, it's, it's quite... Easy to put myself first, if that makes sense, because I don't have to share my time with children as well as husband. So I will go out for walks weekend and often I am on my own with my puppies. But you know, it's just having that downtime is so important to make sure that you've got the ability to have the uptime. And you're doing a lot of speaking right now um, in the field of leadership, diversity what a CEO should look like. What are your key messages while sharing, maybe two or three key messages at sharing moment that are resonating with your audiences?
1: Yeah, so it's about,
0: like I said before, demonstrating good behaviour and calling out bad behaviour, so having the courage to be able to say to someone that's not good enough. Um, I think it's really important to pull people out. Um, I think it's really important to... Give people a safe place, give them that safety element so that they can um, do the best that they can. And so being very clear and being consistent, well, in your clarity on what you will hold as a safe space for others. And I've talked to people that, teams that don't even report to me. I will step in and, as a senior leader of an executive team, I will call out the or the CEO or I'll challenge HR on I don't agree with that behaviour. You know, and if you don't get if you don't get the commitment from them, I'll talk to one of the non-executive directors on the board. But as a CFO, you've actually got a very strong position. The board and the chairman look to you as the governing body of that organisation, not the CEO. They look to me for what's going on, Paula. And I've actually said in the board meeting, I'm sorry, in front of the CEO. Your report is reflecting the organisation in a negative light, which is not actually reflective of what's happening. I'm sure there are many people listening to this um, and nodding you their heads in terms of having the courage to call out bad behaviour. I equally reckon many people are asking me to ask you, so how do you do that when you're in an environment that might not necessarily support that? And there's risk you shared earlier with calling out bad behaviour. What tips or what advice would you give to people that maybe having that question going through their heads? I would say that be courageous. And, and I've said this before in a, in a talk on the same subject, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that I get fired. I would rather get fired than work with a bunch of bad leaders. Um, that's just my standards and my values and my beliefs, and that's what makes me the person I am, and I'm sorry if people don't like that. I think it's... You can perhaps do it in a more subtle way. You can perhaps talk to the chairman, if it's the CEO that has got the problem with, you know, or if it's lower down the organisation, I say to people, go and find a beacon of light. There has to be somebody in that organisation that you can talk to who is going to listen. You know, I th- there is... There is a, going to be a, a beacon of light somewhere Yeah and, and on that, um a wonderful sort of link into what you and I are both passionate about, which is network or surrounding yourself with people that you can be on this journey with. Um, I'm curious from your perspective how important has it been for you to surround yourself with people that don't just get your current but equally can see what you're trying to yeah, I think that's the absolute value from me for being part of LBD, that I'm surrounding myself
1: that don't think like, good, I don't need to surround myself
0: with other financial people. Um, they see things in me that I haven't seen myself, and that's really empowering and gets you through times when you need it, when you when you are down and you need that but you're really good at this, Paula, I think you know, you've know you got that strategic mindset and whatever else people say about you, you think, oh, okay. And, you know, the more people that tell you how good you are, then it actually starts, you actually start believing. And I think, again, it's a bit of a maturity thing that I'm actually now realising um, at this stage of my life that I am good enough, that I am worth it. Once you actually get to that epiphany, it's almost like the water gates are open and where you do all your best work. What advice would you give to people that may feel they're stuck and they haven't quite found what it is that they want to do? So some tips for people around finding their own brilliance or their own purpose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I say to people, you have to have a strategy for yourself and everybody's working in business or in a corporate business, your business wouldn't be operating without a strategy. If it is, then you definitely need to. Um, <laughs> but think of yourself as a product or a service and set yourself a 5, 10, 20 year strategy. Look at what your vision is. For me, I want to be ACCA president. And actually, now I actually want to win Australia. I'm not going to be too troubled about how I get there. I just need to have. A vision or a strategy that says this is my goal, and so then for me it's easy to work towards because I've seen what the end destination looks like. How do I get from where I am today to where I want to be? So I'm a big believer that we all stand in our own. No reason why we can't all unleash our own brilliance. We actually get out of our own way, but recognize what it is you want to do. Stop doing stuff that doesn't make do you think that view, that conviction, that, that passion that you have for stop doing what doesn't make you happy um, comes from what you have experienced personally in terms of how precious life actually is? I think when you've come from nothing in your midlife at 40, the watershed moment as a when you've come from that moment of having nothing, wondering where you're going to start again, I, I've got what's the worst that's going to happen.
1: Like, I've got nothing to do with so why not? Yeah. Who inspires you? Who inspires you to keep? Oh, that's hard. I was thinking about that. That
0: is hard. I get inspiration through people that I've lost as well, if that makes sense. So my parents both are now no longer with us on this planet, but they inspire me through another realm, and, and probably John does too. But I think I'm quite a visionary type person, so I can actually see, I can almost see the end of my life, and that inspires me. So I'm almost inspiring myself (laughs) because I know what I want to achieve, and I'm a big believer, rightly or wrongly, in setting big goals for myself, but then I love picking them, actually achieving it. I mean, I think that in itself is a powerful construct of visualising what... You've done or achieved um, like by the time he gets there. Uh, mm. I'm curious, um, John, Mum, Dad. What what do you think
1: they've instilled in you? Uh, maybe permission? permission, permission to be brilliant, all. We're getting, we're getting quite emotional here on the other <laughs> side of the microphone. <laughs> Um, so permission to be all you want to be, permission to do everything, your power. Hmm.
0: Do you have a an example or is there something that you can share where you actually felt like you were banging your head against a brick wall um, of trying to get there and how you push through that? Hmm. So it feels a bit like I've been there in the last three years a bit, even though I've just all that, said all that great stuff. You know, I've talked about Paul's pathway to CEO for a long time and I've actually almost started to bore myself with just talking about it. <laughs> so I feel that, you know, I kept taking a role like at Regis and it didn't work out as well for me at the end. So I moved on and then I took this role at Bulletproof and then that got sold to another business. So that's moving on as well for me. Like, well, how many more times am I going to just take another CFO role And hope that I can maneuver my way in and, you know, out the CEO and demonstrate to the board that they need to put me in the top job. So, I've kind of circumnavigated that now and elevated what I've called my plan C to plan A. So, my plan C was, well, why don't you just become CEO of your own business? To me, I just looked at that six months ago in June immersion thinking, oh, that's never going to (laughs) happen. And then... I don't actually know what really unleashed it. Probably some of the inner circle work and just being bored of listening to myself talking about doing something. I just did it. And so now I'm actually setting up my own business and my plan C has become my plan A. And so now I've got a business card that says PK Advisory. I haven't put CEO or CFO because I'm both stage. (laughs) So I guess I can stop talking about aspiring to be a CEO because I am. And we all are. We're all CEOs of our own lives. And I think we've talked about that, spoken about that in another um, forum. You know, and I think we often forget that fact. So if we actually played the CEO role in our own lives, we would become ever better. One of the, um, yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? When you put something out there, the universe builds it. Um, yeah. And I certainly can't, I, one can't wait to see if we had this podcast in 12 months. <laughs> um you talked about you talk a lot about um putting energy where energy and equally avoid uh, where there's that energy draining can you you share a little bit more about what that means to yeah i i have a lot of ability through being a visionary um and i think my mum was a bit of a psychic but i have a lot of energetic work and i feel energy Important now everything that we do. Um, and so as a CFO, you might think, well, I would I wouldn't do I won't do anything unless I know what the return is, what the ROI is. But perhaps an example is the energy that I'm putting into CFO conversations, which is my YouTube channel for those of you who don't know about it. I'm having weekly conversations with other CFOs to help people achieve success faster by just talking about what the pitfalls and what the challenges are about being a senior leader. And that demands a lot of energy from me and it demands a lot of resources and it demands – well, I mean, I'm choosing to do it, right, but it's demanding money and time. And I don't know what the return is, and so, but it feels right. So that's the energy play that I'm doing because, you know, maybe I will be the next Oprah Winfrey for finance. I don't know it out there because I'm a big believer like you said the universe delivers when you're ready I love it I love it Paula now what are you I'm curious what are you reading right now what is it that you love about reading or maybe you don't and you're plowing through it to get to the end um so I've just joined the book club what's your edge that Gab, Gabs is running and it's great because it really Gab, yeah.
1: yeah
0: what's um it's really holding me to account and so I've Almost finished Culture Code, and I'm absolutely loving that. Um, love examples in there around leadership and the whole curious mind and being open. Um, so, if you haven't read it, I definitely recommend that. It's a great read. And then the next one's Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I'm excited about that too. Um, thinking about the best book, the best impact, or what's the biggest book that's had the biggest impact on my life and it's The Power of Now, E. Tolle And I read that when I met John because he opened an esoteric element and a spiritual element in my mind that made me so interested. And I read this The Power of Now and it talks about that other voice in your head and I'm like, oh, my God, there's other people here that had that same voice that I had. I never realised that to be true. And so that really changed my life. And coming to Australia felt very esoteric at the time it's probably become a bit busier now but 12 years ago it was it felt like everyone was just going to the beach and doing yoga you know? <laughs> I think there's pockets of Australia where that still happens Paula before I ask my last question I just want to thank you for being on this podcast as a as a very uh, results oriented strategic uh, thinker that has achieved some awesome results corporately Uh, in the non-for-profit space and equally um, now the work that you do for others. I think one of your superpowers is your ability to actually balance this strategic results-oriented thinking with um, an incredible amount of compassion and conviction. And I would suggest that that's that's part and parcel of what has driven your success. There's some absolutely awesome gems um, that I've picked up from our conversation um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that workplaces need to be places of joy. And wouldn't that be awesome? And isn't it equally quite sad that they're not? And when we spend uh so much time at work but at the moment there are an incredible amount of people who aren't happy with what they're doing. Um, and maybe that is part of leadership responsibility to create those environments. Um and the evidence is there when you look at the lack of well-being, the workplace and the amount of people that are Increasingly suffering from some form of depression, so I'm with you on that crusade. Let's create organizations workplaces that enjoy. And you also talked a lot about um, the ability to learn everyone. Um, you know, you can learn the great stuff, but equally by um, watching and um, having an awareness of the stuff that is so great, it gives you, um, and again. My question for the listeners is are there people in your world that at the moment the energy you're putting on them is, is one of sort of blaming and excuses and oh my god this is terrible where actually if you could turn the lens and go what is it about behaviour I don't want to be I wonder that would support creating a more joyful world for you you also talked about the simple stuff that you do that actually is the powerful stuff that you do yourself um, to ensure that you are Match fit to ensure that you are operating like a uh, a professional athlete, mm. world class athlete. And I think sometimes we can uh, so often chase the biggest stuff, those those things that we think are going to give us joy, um, when actually it's it's the simple stuff. Oh. You know, for me, um, mine is sitting on the sofa on a Friday night having cuddles with my kids mm. uh, more often than not away pizza <laughs> that just feeds my soul. So I'm I'm with you on that. It's the simplest stuff sometimes that is the most powerful things that we forget about. And um, one of your parting comments, which I think for all of us is something that we need to consider, is what is the strategy for yourself? We can spend so much time uh, delivering results for other people, creating strategies for other people, for giving time to other people that we forget about the most important asset in. Mm. Which is ourselves, and mm. if we're not living and breathing and being the life that we want to be, possibly create that for others. So thank you. So my final question to you, Laura, is: We can get so wrapped up in the job we want or the accolades that we. Have. What What would you like people to say about you?
1: spent time. What impact?
0: So I got an email yesterday from a lady in Perth who I spent an hour with when she was me, um, who was on the Aiming for the Stars program. And she said to me, Paula, thank you so much for the time that you spent with me because you've had such an impact on me that you would never even believe. I watched how you held yourself and talked about your personal brand. And it's really given me the impetus to actually want that for myself. And so that, to me, I was like, "Wow, that, was, that really touched my heart. Actually see the impact that you're having on. When I talk to some of my clients, and they talk to me about their business problems, and I go, "Yeah, okay, that's great. I've understood, and that's going to be really easy to solve." I see their shoulders actually drop the relief that's on their face, and I just that, that just ticks my box. <laughs> so it talks back to that being able to help others, but just... Having it come back to you and actually either someone taking the effort to thank you or I see it in a way where they don't have to say thank you. You know, to me, I'm just
1: overjoyed that that's
0: how they feel. And to me, that, that summarises everything uh, that by you finding your own brilliance and allowing that to shine, you're allowing other people to find their own brilliance. Yeah. So um, thank you absolutely fabulous as always and as expected to have you on this <laughs> podcast and i'm really looking forward to um hearing what everyone else has to say from your story thanks so much for your time thank you Janine. thanks everyone we hope you enjoyed listening to the janine garner show to follow her blog purchase her books or find out more visit her website JanineGarner.com.au. brilliant people extraordinary results